Well, good evening, Amanda Life. Have a seat. Have a seat. It's good to see everyone. Today, um, in our Bible study today, I want to talk about seeing and knowing God in light of the gospel message. And what I want to talk about today, and I want you to focus on two words as I open up the word of God, is I want you to focus on seeing, that word seeing, and the word glory. So, and also, when I go through the scriptures, I'm going to pivot because I think as I was studying this um, word, um, this message and this topic, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me. And I'm going to use some of the principles that I learned as I was studying this message. I was also studying the Beatitudes. So I'm going to pivot and give you some of the principles that bless me. And I, hopefully it'll bless you. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father. Oh, we love you so much here at Abundant Life. We love lifting up your name. We love opening up your word. We love fellowshipping. We do not take our salvation for granted. Oh, God, none of us take it for granted. It is by your grace that we are saved. We can't thank you enough. It brings tears to my eyes that I was once lost and you saved me. My brothers and sisters here was once lost and you saved us. So as we open up your word, Father, give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. See and know God in the light of the gospel message. Thank you, Brother Jason. You just got here. Man, better late than never. Thank you. That's my brother. That's my brother. That's my brother. He's still serving, though, right? Amen. Better late. Anthony had to thank you, Anthony, for stepping in. It's called teamwork, teamwork. But anyway, that threw me off. But anyway, this word that God has given me, I think, is very powerful today in today's uh, Christian dome. Seeing and knowing God in the light of the gospel message. The glory of God has not, is something that is not new. Remember when Moses asked to see God's glory. And what did God do? He hid him, but he actually hit him in the cliff and he passed by him. And what did he do? He gave him his word. Because God said, no man can see me unless, they're di unless they die. The scriptures is really clear that there's two types of seeing. There's that physical seeing, and then there's the spiritual seeing. I want to come at us from the spiritual seeing. Um, in the book of John, Jesus' prayer when he was praying to the Father, listen to what he said, and listen to the climax of his prayer. In John 17 and 20, towards the end, Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also, that's us, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory. That makes me remember that we actually exist, all of us exist on this earth for two reasons, to rejoice in to see and rejoice in and to exalt and glorify God. In the book of Isaiah, I think it was the 43rd chapter, sixth verse, God says, where are my sons who are far off and my daughters in, who are in a strange land? Let them come to me. Let them come to me, he said, whom I've created for my glory. And when I think about Jesus' prayer, can you imagine Jesus praying that we will see his glory in heaven forever? It makes me think that his prayer 
is telling us that we are internally satisfied when we are seeing his glory and that he is internally glorified when we see him forever. So seeing his glory forever, to me, is the greatest gift that God has given us. This glory that we're talking about is not, is not new. Moses, he, he uh, lamented in Deuteronomy 29. This is what he said. This is going back to the spiritual eyes versus the physical eyes. He said um, in, uh, in, in Deuteronomy 29, he said, To this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see. That is very powerful. That is very powerful. My text for today is taken in Psalms 34 and 8, and it's a real simple, simple verse. It just says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why would the psalmist tell us to see that he's good? Very interesting. Um, we have what we call an adversary, as you know. We got to read this scripture because this is where we're starting to get into your business as a Christian. Can you pull it up for me, TJ? Second Corinthians 4, 3, and 6. Let me know. Is it on the screen yet? Listen to this. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them, here's that word, from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Hmm. Seeing and knowing God in the light of the gospel. Satan is not blinding the eyes of unbelievers about your political views. He's not blinding the eyes of the believers of how you feel about the warriors. He's not blind and, and concealing the gospel message of our finances. But when it comes to the name of Jesus, when it comes to the gospel, he has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. So much so that... In the book of Psalms 135, look what happens to those that are spiritually blind. The psalmist in 135, 5 through 18, he basically connects spiritual blindness to idolatry. He actually says, the idols of nations are the work of human hands. They have eyes, but do not see. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. The psalmist is basically saying when Satan blinds your eyes where you cannot see the glory of God, what happens is we become idol worshipers. Have you noticed? I feel sorry for, I mean, I raised a daughter and she's 25 now, but more and more they're idols. You see these little girls idolizing these movie stars or singers, to the point where they're trying to get operations to what? Make their bodies like their idols. So the psalm says, spiritual blindness is almost equated to idolatry. That is very powerful to me. So here's where I'm at now. Here's where I get into our business. And I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to share something with you. Why the gospel message? I personally believe in my heart of hearts of being a Christian for 50 years. What I love about Abundant Life, what I love about our leadership, what I love about our staff, what I love about each one of you, we want to be an Ephesians 4 church where your body, where your gifts 
all of your gifts. Margie just wrote a book on Revelations. We saw Michael teaching the class. We got Henry teaching the class. I get excited when I see Caroline praise. I want to see the gifts to edify the body. This is no playground. This is no country club. So when I talk about the gospel message, I'm passionate about it because we've been taught in this religious circle so many different messages of the gospel. I was talking to our show this morning. There's a famous pastor. I won't mention his name. He's all of a sudden flipped. And now he's been teaching for 40 years tithing, which is it's under the law. It's not under the new covenant. And now it's a big, you know, everyone's talking about where, where have you been? And there's people in his circle that are mad at him. But that was a different gospel. So it is important for me as one of your leaders and one of your servants. I want to keep bringing to you the simple, pure unfiltered gospel message because there's a gospel of prosperity that's wrong. There's a pop, there's a gospel of, of uh, some, some saints don't even believe in the finished work. We think there's progressive forgiveness. The gospel doesn't teach that. We are born again. Well, what are we born of? Are we wicked? Do we have a wicked heart? Do we have a clean heart? Do we have two natures? One nature. We need to master this gospel. Why? Second Corinthians, Satan has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. So this hearing God, before I go into my next point, hearing God, seeing God is equivalent to hearing God. So when God gives us his word, that is us seeing his glory. You know, we won't physically see him. I remember, uh, remember, is it called, he's called Doubting Thomas. Remember Doubting Thomas when Jesus rose from the dead and his disciples saw him. Doubting Thomas said, unless I physically can see him, and touch him, I will not believe. And when he did that, Jesus said, you believe because you see. What did he say? Blessed are those that do not see. There's that spiritual, spiritual blessing that I'm talking about. There's that spiritual seeing that I'm talking about today. We see God when we hear his word and believe his word. Oh, and taste and see that the Lord is good. Those that are perishing, when they taste the sweetness of Jesus, it's sour milk to them. It's a sour taste, but it's sweet honey to those who've been saved. There's a difference. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has enlightened us and given us the beauty of the gospel message. And once we're saved and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, all of a sudden we get to relate to the God of the universe in such a way that we can taste and see his glory. But I submit to you, is it true for you as a Christian do you see the goodness of God in the gospel of, the, of the Jesus Christ? Or are we becoming religious? Here's where I get to uh, Matthew 5. Can you bring up Matthew 5, the Beatitudes? Here's where, here's where God has really spoken to my heart. I'm only going to talk about a few of them. Let's just talk about the first one in Matthew 5. When Jesus said, the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you dig into the Greek, it really talks about blessed are those that are not spiritually arrogant. Isn't that powerful? When you and I get saved, we become, our spirit is broken, and we say to God, I feel, I know that I am a sinner. I believe you. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He took my place on his cross, on the cross. He died. He was buried. I'm That's the broken spirit. The proud spirit says, I don't need God. I'm a, I'm a good person. 
I, I give to the YMCA, I, I give to the poor, I, I'm, I'm, I don't curse, I, I don't cheat on my wife, I don't cheat on my taxes, I don't need Jesus Christ, it's a crutch. That is the proud in spirit. Now, the second one, blessed are those that mourn, is that up there? Is blessed are the meek. Let's talk about blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Digging deeper into the Greek, it really says, blessed are those that mourn over their sin for they will be comforted, right, by the death, burial, and resurrection. But what I want us to see, and then it talks about blessed are those that are merciful. I want to go back to being poor in spirit. What happens to us as Christians, and this is what convicted me, here's the application. We start off with a broken spirit, meaning that we start off with humility, and we're so glad that God saved us by his grace, but then we become like the Jews and Galatians when Paul said, to the Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started what you started in the spirit. Now you're trying to complete in the flesh. And so what we do as, as Christians, we start in the spirit with humility. But then all of us become Pharisees where we begin to be sin managers. We're so worried about your sin and your, that 31 flavor of sin. We forget about the glory of God. We forget about that Satan has blinded your eyes, your friend's eyes, your, your unregenerated friend's eyes. We're so busy on sin management, and that person is an adulterer, or that person is a liar, or that person is a homosexual. We become arrogant, and we do not become a sweet-smelling aroma to a dying world. We do not become the light and the salt that God has called us. God has not called Christians to be sin managers of a dying world. He called us to be a light and to point them to the light. So I, I, it, just, it just touched me. So the application is stay humble. Remember that you were once walking in darkness as well. When it's talked about mourning over sin, here's what I believe. I remember our show was complaining to me. Sorry, our show, I'm using you today. He was complaining to me in a beautiful way about what's going on in politics. And I, and I hung up and I said, this brother knows the word. I go, you know what our show's doing? Called him back. I said, bro, you're not complaining about a fallen world because that's what fallen people do. Fallen people cheat. Sometimes Christians do, but I'm saying fallen people cheat. Fallen people uh, they commit adultery. Fallen people are selfish. Fallen people are greedy. They, when you're born with, when you're in Adam, you're doing what people in Adam do. I said, what you're complaining about, what you're mourning over, Arshel, is what sin has done to humanity. Hmm. He goes, he goes, you're right. I said, look, Christians, think about it. We know that, by, that when God redeemed us, he redeemed us to show a dark world what humanity should look like. He redeemed us, and we are fruit bearers. We are the good tree that should bear good fruit. We are the ones that should be expressing the character of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Nowhere in there it says convict people of their sin. Nowhere, nowhere, it just says point people to the cross, point people to Jesus, Put Jesus on display, whatever you do and say, do it as unto the Lord. And so I said, Arshel, you're mourning over what sin has done, not only to you, but what it does to humanity. Isn't Jesus brilliant? 
It basically says, first, you got to have a broken spirit, then you will inherit the kingdom. Once you have that broken spirit and you knew that you didn't get saved because of your works or because you could obey the law, you got saved because of me and my grace and my love for you. It humbles you. And then you mourn on how sin is so depraved and so corrupt, you get to see racism, sexism, any other kind of ism in the world. You get to see greed, you get to see violence. And that is what you mourn over, not judging the brother or sister who is caught in sin, because Jesus, when the religious people didn't take the brother out, but drug the sister, who was caught in an act of adultery. Aren't men, we should be ashamed of ourselves, aren't men? We dragging a woman out, leaving the brother there. And the king of kings wrote something on the ground and he looked at her and said, where are your accusers? There are none and neither do I. He's so humble. He is so gracious. He is our example in everything. This is why it's important that I come to you today and say, Man, I, I, I repented. I said, Lord, let me repent of every judgmental attitude I've ever had towards the unbeliever and the believer. Even when you fall as a believer, I should have grace and you should have grace towards me because we all stumble in many ways. Let's quit trying to act like we're holier than thou. We all stumble in many ways. That's what the Bible says. Not trying to make an excuse about it. There is an ongoing battle with the flesh in our spirit. Sometimes the spirit wins and sometimes the flesh wins based on my choice of the moment. I'm learning, learning more and more to walk after the spirit. But I ain't, I'm not 100% and neither are you. You don't even have to, neither are you. You don't even have to tell me. I know because we're human. But I want us to capture this and understand Abundant life that we're getting ready to go deeper into the things of God here at Abundant Life We here at Abundant Life is going to lift up the name of Jesus and only Jesus We're not going to play church We need to understand this beautiful deep gospel message that we have We just do The main thing that I want you to see that also convicted me as I begin to close Is that there should be I'm challenging myself. There should actually be, when we say taste and see that the Lord is good, it should not be hard for us to, to talk about a good meal. You could tell me your favorite meal, tell me where you went and who cooked it and, and you will brag about it and you need to try it if you go to this restaurant because you tasted something and you savored it. I want to ask us, have we really tasted the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he's done? Because if we have, it would be hard for us to shut our mouths up about it. If we actually can taste and see how wonderful this God is and how precious he is, this is, look what, look what Satan is, he's blinding them from seeing the glory of the gospel. That's powerful to me. The glory of the gospel, nothing else. Because if you catch it and you see how much God loves you while you were a sinner, his son came and died for you and took your place. Can you imagine now you're right with God? As a matter of fact, let me just say this. In 2 Corinthians 5, I love it. I love 2 Corinthians 5. I read that at least once a week. The, the first verses are, are talking about our glorified body. 
Uh, this tent is breaking down, as you know, and we're going to get, a, I love that part. Wow. And we're going to get a glorified body that's going to, but in, that's going to last for her. But in the middle, Paul says, those that are in, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And then he says that everyone in here in this room that names the name of Jesus is a minister of reconciliation. This is the only message that God has ordained for us to teach a dying world. This is why I'm so hung up on the gospel message and the gospel message being taught well is because Satan, our enemy, has blinded the eyes. And we were once blind, but now we see. But we are all ministers of reconciliation. And Paul just basically said, you're now right with God because of what Jesus has done. And now he's entrusted this to us, the body of Christ, to be his ears, eyes, mouth, hands, and feet. To adopt. That's awesome to me. Every one of us. That's why I don't want us to play church. We're all important in the kingdom of God. We're all ministers. So don't be mad if I call you a minister. You are, a, and you don't need a PhD. You don't need to go to theology. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. He's your comforter and he's your teacher. But we're ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and our enemy has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. Isn't that powerful to think about? And we don't have to be all deep with it. We just got to be a witness. That's really it. We just got to be a witness. And so abundant life, I'm excited about life. I'm so excited about what we're going to learn and teach in the future. I can't hold back. I'm so excited that we're not going to be a personality-driven church. I'm excited that we're going to teach the gospel message. Oh, I keep saying it over and over. I'm sorry, but I'm just excited. Because it is the only message that has eternal value. Everything else we talk about is going to fade away. It's just going to fade away. And I'm not trying to tell us to be religious about it because I hate religion. I love Jesus Christ and I hate religion. It's going to be real with you. But we've been called. We are ambassadors. An ambassador is someone who, you can come up, worship team. An ambassador is someone who proclaims the values and customs of another kingdom. We're passing through. What type of church are we going to be? Well, our, our values is very simple. We're here to make, to know Jesus and to make him known. It's just that simple. And um. I know this is a short, sweet message, but man, I hope it was full. I hope uh, it inspired you like it inspired me. And uh, I want to put up a quote. Can you put up this beautiful quote from Brother Edwards, Jonathan Edwards? Let me see if I have it on my notes. Oh, here it is. Look, look what Jonathan Edwards says. He says, God glorifies himself towards the creatures in two ways. One by appearing to their understanding, two, and communicating himself to their hearts, and in their rejoicing and delighting in, and enjoying the manifestations which he makes of himself. God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but by it being rejoiced in. Isn't that awesome? When those that see it delight in it, check this out, God is more glorified than if they only see it. Isn't that a deep quote? Just summed up what I was thinking the whole week. That's why I just don't want you to see the good news. 
as a Christian and as a brother and sister in Christ, I want you to, to delight in it. Go ahead. You guys want to rise? This is our song of call and response to deal with the Lord. says Jesus equals eternal life. There may be someone here today who has not accepted Jesus Christ. God is holy. And to get into heaven, there's only one way that you can do that. You have to be holy. And the only way that we can be holy is we have to put on the perfect one, Jesus Christ, who is holy. We have to admit, Romans 3.23, that we are sinners. Elder Keith talked about the humbleness that we have to have. So we have to admit that we are sinners. We have to know, John 3.16, that God loved us so much that he died on the cross for our sins, that if we would just believe we could have eternal life. 
And then we have to confess our sins. Romans 10 and 9 says that if we would just confess Jesus Christ is Lord, that we would have eternal life. So we're all going to pray together. Some of you have prayed this prayer, which I have, years and years and years ago. But there may be somebody today who is praying this prayer for the very first time. So we're going to walk alongside of them, and we're going to pray as well. And the prayer is, if you would repeat after me, Dear God, I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for all of my sins. I invite you into my heart, into my life, to save me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, 100% God has come into your life today, July the 24th. Amen? It's okay to clap because when you have Jesus in your life, your life changes forever. You are not the same. So if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I'm going to be down here in the front. You can come. You can talk to me. Or you can go on the website um, for ALCF. And I am Valerie Saunders. I'm the director of evangelism. My email address is there. You can contact me, and I will 100% call you back. So we just want to now send you out. Bow your heads to him who is able, to our glorious God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who is able to keep us. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You are sent. Thank you.